Coming up on Two-Faced Wrestling Talk. Wrestle Kingdom's main event is set. Who will square off for the title? We will talk about the big matches at King of Pro Wrestling between Jay White and Tanahashi, as well as Ibushi versus Kenny versus Cody. There wasn't much super about the Super Showdown. We discussed the few highlights of the show and their implications going forward. Impact is bound for glory. We preview the title showdown as well as which matches we are looking forward to. That and your questions on Two-Faced Wrestling Talk. WrestlingInc.com brings you Two-Faced Wrestling Talk, the podcast that goes beyond WWE and goes in-depth on ROH, NJPW, Impact, and more. Also featuring fun pop culture and wrestling crossovers, listener Q&As, and extended discussions about wrestling topics past, present, and future. Now, here's your host, Kelsey. Hi, and welcome to Two-Faced Wrestling Talk. I'm joined as usual by my co-host, Paul. We, uh, coming off a weekend where some real good wrestling and some eh. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> The Super Showdown, eh. And <laughs> it's the best way to put it. Uh, I think I graded it, what, a C or a C- minus when we watched it. A couple good matches, but overall. We'll, I think the we'll saving grace, you know, was Joe and and AJ, just like you thought all along. Yeah, yeah, it was a great match, and we'll talk more about that. We're also going to talk about the Big New Japan show, King of Pro Wrestling, and we'll get ready for Impact's big show this weekend. But first... Yep, let's do some of our plugs. Uh, if you want to follow us on social media to keep up to date with all of our polls, with our pop and wrestling connection questions that we always put out, follow us at Two Faced Pod, T W O F A C E D P O D. Also, you could follow me and vote on my wrestling t shirt that I wear every week. Now, this week, because the month of October, I've been kind of picking out my own shirts because I only have a few wrestling themed Halloween shirts. This one says Frankensteiner, and it's literally. Scott Steiner as Frankenstein. I think it's kind of fun. And um, so I decided to wear that. But usually I'll put out a poll for you guys to vote on. And that's at SuperKickingIt. S-U-P-E-R-K-I-C-K-I-N-G-I-T. And of course, Frankenstein will be the subject of our Pop and Wrestling Connection, which we'll have a little announcement about here coming up at the end of this uh, first segment. We also want to thank San Arnold Brewing for all of their support of Two-Face Wrestling Talk and Reminder, it's the fall season. It's actually going to cool off here in New Orleans here in the next day or two. Are you sure? Supposedly. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but you know what that means? That means Pumpkin and St. Arnold releases their Pumpkinator on Monday. So be on the lookout for that throughout Louisiana and Texas. And they're also releasing a limited edition Pumpkinator that is aged in bourbon barrels. So some hearty fall-like uh, drinking stuff from St. Arnold. Sounds delicious. <laughs> and uh, don't forget... Our friends at mybookie.ag, join in and bet on uh, Halloween prop bets, Yeah, college football, pro football. Uh, Raphael just put up some interesting college football prop bets, plus an interesting one about Crown Jewel, Crown Jewel show we'll be talking a lot about. Again, mybookie.ag, use the promo code KICKIT. K-I-C-K-I-T, and that will help us out, support us. If you open a new account, you could have some fun by betting. You might win some money. And again, you'd be, like, supporting us. So thanks so much. Please give it a try, maybe, <laughs> if you want to. But now it's time to give our opinions on the latest wrestling shows, news, and developments. It's time for Headlines. And 
and we're going to start in New Japan, the King of Pro Wrestling show, and a uh, couple key, key events coming out of that, and uh, the groundwork for Wrestle Kingdom starting to get set, that picture, and one of the things I even said to you during the show that makes New Japan special is we're three months away, and already the groundwork is being laid for their biggest show, something that WWE used to do leading to WrestleMania, not so much anymore. I mean, not only are we three months away and they're building towards Wrestle Kingdom now, they have been building stories that are now set in motion like a year ago even. If you remember back when Kenny Omega tried to convince Jay White to join the Bullet Club, then there was tension there. And now, you know, one of the biggest things I think to come out of King of Pro Wrestling was Jay White aligning with the firing squad, the OGs. Pretty cool developments there, and even Fale had tweeted, like, we've been planning this since Finn Balor was around, because they've got, like, a picture of a young Jay White sitting with Fale and stuff. I kind of like how that they're trying to add credence to that this has been in motion for a very long time, and it's pretty cool. I love that about New Japan. They've got a very long-term vision, long-term booking has never been a problem for them, mm-hmm. and I love that. And I think what we're seeing now with the OGs slash firing squad Really unique storyline. I'm really intrigued. I can't wait to see more stuff develop from that. Well, let's get to some of the matches, and we'll start with uh, Chaos versus Suzuki-Goon. Just your run-of-the-mill tag team match, but at the end, Osprey gets the pin on Tai Chi. And right off the bat, you liked the way Osprey reacted and then what he did after the match. Yeah, well, I mean... First off, I liked that he pinned Tai Chi. <laughs> well, yeah, right. Because <laughs> I'm not a huge Tai Chi fan, and this means that Osprey gets a title shot, which I think would be great for him since he just kind of missed out in that tournament to be the next junior heavyweight champion. Now maybe he could go into this match and win. Lij against Chaos, and uh, one of the themes of the show was going to be new uh, members of of these factions and Lij introduced uh, somebody that is familiar to the New Japan crowd, honestly, somebody we aren't overly familiar with, and Shingo. Uh, we don't know him, but he got the pin on the uh, last falconry. He has a little bit of a background, I guess, in Ring of Honor, right? That's what they said, yeah. Um, I mean, he looked really good. I'm not that familiar with him, to be honest with you, but um, I'm really intrigued to see what's going to develop with him in the faction going forward. Obviously, they were going to have him get the pin because he's the new member, create some momentum coming in there. And I thought that was the right decision, of course, and made him look really strong. And the team looked to be pretty fluid. The chemistry's there. I'm excited to see what this means going forward. I also will be intrigued, what will it look like when Hiromu comes back with this new member? You know, are they all going to gel? Like, they're kind of gelling right now. I hope so, because Hiromu's, like, my favorite. So, I think there's not going to be a problem with just the merging. I think it'll be fine. I'm excited to see. Do you worry that this is a sign that uh, Takahashi may not be back for an extended time, and maybe that's why they felt the need to add another member? Or do you think they would have added a member regardless? I think they might have ended up, you know, adding a member regardless, because... I don't think this was like a, a win on a whim. I think this was planned. So whether or not Hiromu was hurt, I have a feeling this was going to happen anyway. But Hiromu has been said to be out for a long time regardless. So it's not any reaction to the length of time. They're making him stay out even longer because of the aggressive style that he wrestles. 
Because technically, I think it's three extra months that they're kind of wanting him to stay out than he actually technically would need to. But he wrestles so intensely, his movesets and stuff, I think they're like, oh, take some extra time there. Let's go to the uh, junior heavyweight uh, final of the tournament, Marty Skrull versus Kushida. And Marty has not had a, a lot of luck against Kushida and, and continued uh, in this match. I can't believe that he hasn't won one match against Kushida. That really surprised me, and I wouldn't have known that stat. Thankfully, Kevin Kelly let us know <laughs> that. I found that quite interesting, and I think it's the right move that Kushida won because you actually said this last week. You said... You know, they probably want to put the belt on a non-foreign guy. On, right. You know, on a Japanese guy, which makes sense. But whether or not that was the case, Kushida's amazing. So I thought, yeah, that's the right decision, I think. There's so many foreigners with belts right now. So many. Yeah. Like Cody and you know, I don't Kenny. think New Japan worries about it too much, but you do want to have a little bit of a balance. And Kushida is so popular. But, yeah, now 4-0 and against Marty Skrull twice in New Japan, twice in Ring of Honor. And uh, Kushida getting it with the Diablo armbar off the top rope and then winning with Back to the Future. And the crowd certainly loved that. Let's go to uh, Zack Sabre Jr. and Evil. And uh, this match never got going because of a certain individual who likes to uh, kind of sneak up from people on people from behind with a mask of some sort. Yeah, the mask. <laughs> it was like a plain Oscar-looking mask. And it looked a little ridiculous on his face, but I liked it. Jericho always kind of doing something new with his appearance. Liked seeing him back finally. We didn't know when was the next time we were going to see him in New Japan at all. So I like that this is a good sign to me that they're even building towards anything. At least he showed up. Because, you know, his, his schedule is insane right now. Literally, the cruise is in like two weeks. I'm going to be on the cruise and so is Jericho, obviously. <laughs> and so, you know, he's super busy with that, his touring. And people are speculating, is he going to do stuff with WWE coming up? So all that, I'm surprised he made time to be in New Japan recently, but glad to see it. He attacked evil, and uh, it, it resulted in something really rare in New Japan, a no contest. And Zack Sabre Jr. consequently flipped out, started beating up evil, and then Naito came down to save Evil and started beating up Zack Sabre Jr. So we still haven't gotten our Zack Sabre Jr. versus Evil. And I was really looking forward to that, too. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and we didn't see it. But we will see it, I'm sure. But it also seemed to tease maybe a Naito-Zack Sabre Jr. showdown down the road as well. Maybe so. Or, like, you kind of alluded maybe a tag match. Zack and Jericho versus those two. Or at least leading up to yeah. probably the singles matches like New Japan does normally right. anyway. That would be awesome. I'd love to see that. That would be great. But, you know, it'd be kind of cool. I mean, because Jericho's not really aligned with any faction. So is he kind of aligning with Suzuki Gun? Could be. I don't know. It'd be awesome to see him tag with uh, Zack Sabre Jr. We know how hardcore it is when ZSJ and Suzuki pair up. So just replace Suzuki with jericho and that'd be kind of cool yeah yeah next up was uh tanahashi and jay white great back and forth work uh by both and then the heel work by gato and jay white pulling the ref out of the ring the alternating low blows uh and eventually white goes for the blade runner but tanahashi reverses it and wins it on what else of late a roll-up. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I don't know what the, what's the deal with the trend on all these roll-ups lately, on, on every promotion. Yeah, it's not just 
New Japan, I mean, WWE's been doing it a ton lately. I don't know what the deal is, but I'm kind of tired of seeing roll-ups as the finish. Especially, it's happened a lot in Tanahashi matches. Remember during the G1 mm-hmm. that happened a few times, I think, right? Yeah, where, like, Suzuki, the one match that stands out is Suzuki beat him up pretty good, and then he ended up getting a roll-up. Yeah. So, uh, good for Tanahashi, obviously. It cements his place in the, the Wrestle Kingdom main event. I was really torn, like, do I want to see Jay White versus Omega or do I want to see Tanahashi versus Omega? But I think Tanahashi versus Omega is the right decision if Omega wins. Because then I feel like he's establishing himself as a top guy for New Japan because you've got to beat the ace on a big stage, I think, to really be considered the top of the company. And really, to me... I know the audience is going to be behind Tanahashi, but I don't think it makes sense for him to win the belt right now. I really don't. Okada had that amazing long title run, and just, you know, when Kenny won it from him, I was so excited, everyone was so excited, and now it seems like people are already like, eh, let's put it on Tanahashi. (laughs) I don't think so. I think, you know, Tanahashi's had it so many, so many times. I really think it's Omega's time to have it for a little while and to prove that he can beat the ace, and he can kind of be the top foreign guy there. So we'll see. Uh, we've got a question later in our Q&A about Kenny Omega and his popularity. So we'll talk more about that. Well, the match was good, but the post-match chaos, pun intended, was uh, really crazy. Uh, the firing squad comes out to the ring. They grab Gata. Well, first of all, Okada saves Tanahashi. Yes. Then uh firing squad surrounds the ring. They grab Gato like they're setting it up that so that Okada can hit him, but they mm-hmm. were really baiting him in. And in the end, Gato, Jay White, and Jado all seemingly now joining the firing squad. So the question of where Jay White was going to go more, most significantly of all of these is looks like he's going to make him a member of the firing squad. Yeah, and I'm excited to see that. So that means, like, no more. He's not in chaos anymore. Neither are the other members. That's kind of neat. It's almost like it's all, you know, a whole new faction in a way. And I guess we're going to talk more about that. What does that mean for the elite part of the Bullet Club, you know? Right. Uh, I really just love all this development because it leaves you with so many questions, and that's good storytelling. There's so many ways that this can unfold, and we have time between now and Wrestle Kingdom to speculate, and maybe even further beyond Wrestle Kingdom. I'm sure this is going to keep going for a while. And I love that because you're not just building towards your next show in a month. You're building towards something way further down the line that's something big and important. We're talking about, like like we mentioned in the beginning of the show, overarching storylines. It's very impressive, and it's something I love about New Japan Pro Wrestling. It might be my favorite thing about the promotion. Well, and I think Jay White is a perfect fit because he and Tomatonga's heel work has been so good over the last four, five, six months, now put him in that faction where they're all kind of jerks, right? Yeah. Fale, Tongaloa, you know, Tomatonga, and now Jay White. I mean, you're you're talking four big-time, you know, they insert just, expletive there. They should just call the group f them yeah. because that's all that they, that's what they say all the time, <laughs> always flicking off people and stuff. Yep, I'm excited. I'm excited to see Jay White with them. Uh, should be exciting. And let me say this, like, you know, some of our regular listener, listeners might have heard me say this before, but I want to reiterate, I wasn't high on the Switchblade character when he first came back from Excursion, from Ring of Honor, and that they made him basically turn heel. I was like, ah, oh, he's such a natural babyface. I really think that this 
heel character is so forced. But man, has he grown into yeah, he's it. He's been great. I mean, it's just something that took time. And I'm glad that I was proven wrong because I really think he's one of my favorites right now. And you could just tell how high the company kind of views him since we talked about longer storytelling. You know, giving him that match against Tanahashi at Wrestle Kingdom last year, that just showed you that was a high-profile match to come back from Excursion to just have that. It's almost like a semi-main event type of match. So to have that kind of faith in him kind of means something. Mm -hmm. It means that they really think... He's special, and he's going to be somebody prominent for the company moving forward. And I think we're seeing that play out now even further. Yeah, and so I think it's a perfect fit. And, you know, just Jay is so good, you know, antagonizing Kevin Kelly and Rocky Romero. Everything he's been doing is great, and those other guys from Firing Squad have fit that bill as well. Let's go to the main event, and we knew Tanahashi now was in the final we assumed Kenny Omega would make his way through, but yeah. it was a great match between him and Cody and Ibushi. There was great theater um, when Kenny Omega, you know, tried to put the one-wing angel on Kota Ibushi and the way they looked at each other. I thought that was great. That was great, yeah. I thought it was an amazing match. That was some of my favorite parts was some of the tension tease between Kenny and Ibushi, and Ibushi's like, what the heck? <laughs> when Kenny was starting to, like, you know, take advantage mm-hmm. of Ibushi and try to actually defeat him. Yep. And then, you know, Cody kind of was the perfect third man to try to just take advantage of anybody that he could at any moment. I love the teasing of the chair mm-hmm. with Cody. And, you know, and yet, the one thing is kind of funny is, so after they tease Cody using the chair... Then they still hug at the end. I don't know. Cody is playing such a gray area right now. It's it's just very intriguing, actually. It's it's odd but intriguing, and I kind of like it. Although I do miss his like pure heel character, but obviously they're not going in that direction right now. There's more story to tell with what they're doing, with him kind of in a middle ground right now. But yeah, it was funny just to see them hug at the end. Well, and I loved. Uh, well, first of all, the brutality of uh, Cody getting a powerbomb through the announce table, over the railing through the announce table. That was extreme, man. And then the Kenny getting pushed off the ropes onto the table, which was really dangerous, it felt like, because it looked like he almost lost his balance. Yeah. He ended up cut on his back, so that was kind of brutal as well. Also, he even said, like, thank goodness, because he almost ran into the railing at mm-hmm. one point when he was, you know, diving outside of the ring. So all kinds of dangerous spots in that match, but... uh it, it wasn't boring. No. It no. was really exciting. Considering it was supposedly three friends. Uh, the, the iconic image of the match for me was uh, when Abushi was about to uh, pin Cody. And Red Shoes gets the two and he's about to hit the Kenny. third. And Kenny catches his arm and he's is like, like no. no, no, no. And Abushi looks at him like he wants to kill him. Yeah, so. he's like, what the heck? And then they start really like hitting each oh, other. Those like hit- extreme. Yeah, those hit- palm strikes? Yes. Oh my gosh, that was brutal. It was. I loved that. That was probably one of my favorite parts of the whole match. Kenny ended up kicking out of Crossroads, and he would eventually hit the one-winged angel on Ibushi. And uh, then they had a moment after the match. Tanahashi kind of came out. Although that was that little interaction with Kenny was really awkward, it seemed like, didn't it? The the uh, mic segment between Tanahashi and Kenny. It, 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 they were trying to build tension, but then it was kind of like cooled off. It was kind of strange, I thought. I didn't think it was anything strange about it. I mean, Tanahashi did the mic drop. 
Yeah, he did do that. That so is true. I <laughs> thought like that, that was a great way to end it, and then Kenny had to pick up. I mean, Kenny looked annoyed when he picked up the mic. Yeah, I, I don't know. I thought it was well played because they've already exchanged pretty intense words in their interviews and stuff. Mm-hmm. Basically, I mean, Omega had some. Remember the things he was saying about yeah. him being old and his yeah. hair and all this other crazy and stuff. His style. Yeah. Like, being boring, essentially. Yeah. So, to me, they've already said a lot. To The action of dropping the mic and then Kenny Lewis looking annoyed, it was more about what you saw than what they said. That was a great show. That was one we, we pay for on New Japan World. Big show coming up this weekend that we're going to pay significantly more for, and I'm not sure we're excited about it. Uh, Impact Bound for Glory. We looked at the match card. We know they're going to add some stuff, but... Eh. 40 bucks i don't know <laughs> it is steep it is very steep. like i'm tempted to not pay for it and just read the results <laughs> yeah i know that's how close i am to not wanting to see this again this goes back to something i talked about on the podcast months ago their their pay-per-views should be 20 or 25 dollars at the max i can't imagine there's going to be money many people other than people like us and a few diehards they're gonna pony up 40 bucks 40 dollars for this this lineup I mean, this match card is not that exciting. And keep in mind, not only is this $40, but they've got a separate, like, uh, app where you could see their old stuff, too. So say you're an Impact fan, you're paying separately, and you're going to pay $40 for this pay-per-view. It's a lot of money to ask from people when you're trying to start this company back up and really kind of gain momentum and spread wider. You know, it's hard to spread wider when you're asking so much from people, especially when, and this is just my opinion, I feel like the roster's kind of thin. It is. I mean, to me, Sammy Callahan is number one. Mm-hmm. That is the match I'm looking forward to, and it's not even a singles match. No. Anything with Sammy Callahan, to me, is what I'm looking forward to the most. I love Brian Cage, too. I'm looking forward. He's in that same match, so right. I'm looking forward to that, too, of course. No, I mean, arguably, you would say the six guys I like the most in Impact are in that match. Exactly, me too. You know, Phoenix, Pentagon, Cage. And then OVE, maybe the two Chris brothers I don't like as much as, obviously, Sammy Callahan. But, I mean, that match should be awesome, whatever OVE rules are. But but that's the match I'm most looking forward to, and I'm sure you are, too. Yep, that's definitely hands down, like, no contest at all. Now, I'm not saying that the Austin Aries-Johnny Impact match isn't going to be good, because, you know, they've got some heat. And it seems legit. I was going to say, legit heat. Yeah, it really does seem legit heat. Especially if you guys check out, there's a new podcast on Wrestling Inc.'s platforms. It's called Winkly by, you know, our new new manager, Nick. He had this interview with Johnny Impact, and he was talking about how, you know, his wife has had eating disorders. And for Austin Aries to call her husky is pretty messed up, and he's upset about it. You can hear that interview on, like I said, Winkly, and yeah, it seems legit heat. Well, and then, it's rare these days. And then Austin Aries fired back on an interview you can find on Wrestling Inc. On with, Winkley as well from last week. Yeah, where he 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 d- didn't like that that Johnny Impact kind of questioned his stature. That's how also, it all started. But he also thought people are overly sensitive about stuff since both guys have re- removed their tweets. But yeah, you said that a moment ago legit heat it feels like so th- i guess that makes for the storyline being somewhat interesting and you got two talented wrestlers so that should be a good match i would think valkyrie against tessa should be really good and they're making a big deal about how you know johnny impact and valkyrie are married and how they're both having like title shots and they're trying to make history if they both win kind of thing um 
so I guess that's kind of like a big story of the whole pay-per-view. I love Tessa, so I hope she retains. Not saying that I don't like Valkyrie, but I really just love Tessa. I think she might be, like, one of the best women on the non-WWE scene right now. So I hope she retains. It's one of the biggest stars that Impact has besides, like, Aries, besides Sammy Callahan and Pentagon Phoenix, all, Brian Cage. Another marquee match, Moose versus Eddie Edwards, and then the six-man tag, LAX and Conan against the OGs and Eddie. Obviously, we've talked about this in the past. LAX and the OGs, I love every time they get together. They have great matches. Yeah. They've got to limit how much Conan is in, in this match because he didn't move that well, and it's, it's going to drag down the whole pace of the match if there's too much of him in it. I, I think I get, they'll limit him. Yeah, I mean, I, I get he will. and the boss have got to go at it, obviously, but, mm -hmm. but it better be limited. I think it will be. I don't think there's any need to worry. I think they're just... They're going to work around it. I, I'm almost positive. And then, you know, Moose and Eddie Edwards, they've been trying to build that story and that tension for a while. I don't know how excited I am for it, but I like Moose. I mean, <laughs> I do like Moose quite a bit. It's not that the Impact roster doesn't excite me. It's just that it seems like these matchups are so close to being something we've already seen in a way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they're running out of big singles matches to push. Let me put it this way. I am so excited for Chris Jericho's Cruise because we're getting some of these ROH versus Impact matches. Now, I know some people think that be careful when you're doing cross-promotion. It makes things less special sometimes if you do it too much. You've right. said that in the yeah. past, even. But in this case, like, okay, um, LAX versus the Bucks? That's going to be amazing. Sammy Callahan versus... Marty Skrull, mm -hmm. like these are matches with Impact people that I'm super psyched for. I would pay forty bucks for that. Right, I, agree I don't think that. I'd pay forty bucks for this. Yeah, we're gonna have to weigh that one pretty heavily. Uh, one show that again we didn't have to pay forty bucks for, and I would have lost my mind had I paid forty bucks for it. The WWE Super Showdown. We talked about it last week with Rafael Esparza from uh, MyBookie.ag. This pay-per-view, if you want to call it that, Super Show, whatever, however you want to describe it, I, I, I still have the old-school pay-per-view mentality. Yeah. That, I don't even know if you would qualify this, but it just seemed like it was all about just getting a lot of people appearances. It really did seem that way, and I think it's because it was that way. <laughs> right. Obviously, they wanted to bring a lot of people over there. They're getting you know paid to be there a lot of money, so... I thought that some of the matches could have been a lot longer. It felt more like a house show than a pay-per-view. Like, let's say, you know, Miz and Daniel Bryan, that was even shorter than Undertaker's entrance, <laughs> it felt like. And that's a, a feud that has a backstory. Right. So why so short? Right. It's weird. It was That's weird. something that could have been a lot longer. And I think the people in Australia would have loved it. Now, I think the best match of the whole night, besides Joe and AJ, was the cruiserweight match. It was. It was amazing. And he was so over, like Murphy. Yeah. Man, they loved him. Obviously, hometown boy, but I think it really translated well. I almost think he was more over than the Iconics. I was surprised. It, absolutely. They absolutely. didn't seem to get as many cheers. I mean, I know they're heels, but. No, there was, yeah, there was a cheer, but it wasn't like. It wasn't like Murphy. And. And you could tell the Iconics were legitimately emotional about winning on their home turf. And Buddy was, too. But the pop for Buddy, again, part of it was that, I mean, between AJ and Samoa Joe and that match, I mean, those are clearly the two best matches yeah. of the night. That 205 cruiserweight match was amazing. I mean, some of the stuff, when Murphy kicked out of the lumbar check, that stadium went ape. 
you know what? When the crowd's that into it, it makes it so much more enjoyable. And that's another reason why I wish just, like, the, the cruiserweight division could have just a more ruckus crowd more often. Because we could see it adds so much enjoyment as a viewer watching at home when they're that into it. I mean, another match that was interesting for the most part was Undertaker versus Triple H. And obviously there's a lot of developments coming out of that. I don't think it was the greatest in ring, and that's what we expected. And in fact, like, Undertaker at first looked good. Then quickly... Yeah, I would say the first 10 minutes of the match, it was a really good match between the two. Not quite to the level of what it used to of be. Of course but I, not. But I thought it was really good. It was, but then it quickly went downhill. Very quickly near the end. And I know there's some selling involved, but just Undertaker, to me, looked like he couldn't even walk. Yeah. Or get like, up. Like, he looked like he was laboring to breathe. I know. Uh, and you could hear him gasping. Right. It's yeah. it's It's painful to watch right it was and i don't think it's all selling no i no, think it's I legit think so. i don't think so so you know sweet chin music leads to a triple h pedigree after Shawn michaels hits that sweet chin music they get the pin there's this iconic moment at the end which would have been a great way to end the show but then kane and undertaker turn on michaels and hb i mean and uh, triple h and both you and I are like, uh-oh, are they setting up for HBK and Undertaker at WrestleMania? And they might still be, but the next, or a couple nights later on Raw, we find out it's going to be a tag team match, the Brothers of Destruction versus DX. This is certainly the way to go, because then you can kind of rescue the Undertaker. He doesn't have to carry the match, so I think this is definitely the way to go. And yeah, we'll... don't do a singles between HBK and Undertaker. No. Don't do it. No, let's hope they don't do that at WrestleMania. But, oh, God. But... But this tag team match is the way to go. Um, back to Samoa Joe and AJ. I thought it was a really good match. The chops by Samoa Joe in that match and the selling of an old knee injury, and they went on and sold that some more on the SmackDown. The selling was great <laughs> I by thought, Joe. I thought what showed how great those two are was the series of reversals at the end of the match because it was so seamless. They're, it shows how good they are because we've seen when – you see multiple reversals, and it's clunky. Yes. This was great getting into the calf crusher for AJ to win it. I really love the two of them. In fact, I would I would easily say they're two of my favorites on the whole roster. Absolutely. So <laughs> I am not sick of seeing them face off. Like, if they want to keep going, like, five more times, <laughs> it's okay with me. It's something that reminds me of, like, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. They mm -hmm. could fight forever. Yeah. I know that's kind of generic <laughs> to say, but I really believe it. I would really enjoy it. Because they're always, like you said, fluid. There's a lot of chemistry there. Whether it's working together or against each other, it's like magic in the ring. A couple final thoughts on the Super Showdown. I thought the Becky-Charlotte match, not nearly as the good as the match on SmackDown, which we'll talk about in a second. And how about John Cena's appearance? 42 seconds in the ring. I, I went it. back and timed it. That was ridiculous. And everyone's talking about his hair. <laughs> his hair is weird. Well, even Elias talked about it on Raw the next yeah. night, how... Uh, he looked like JBL. Remember I said that? He kind of looks like JBL now because he's got the same hair. <laughs> Someone said uh, Flanders. <laughs> I mean, without the mustache. Well, yeah. But, man, I uh, I don't know. Yeah. It's odd. Obviously, he's probably doing a movie and he can't get hurt. Right. So they were trying to limit him. But he was there for the name. His name is worth so much. And that was such a big show for WWE. You know, they brought him in for that. And we'll touch on that for one sec second here in a minute. But before we move on, it's kind of interesting how much he's been phased out. 
Yeah. I mean, really, I thought he'd kind of appear a little bit more. But no, it's like, yeah. really, he's being completely phased out almost. That's surprising And there to was me. some feeling like he might even be done after the, yeah. the, the Super Showdown. But you know... But we I, know he's not now because he's at Crown Jewel. But. Yeah, <laughs> but I think it's kind of worked out better than I anticipated because he was like their main draw for so long. But I think WWE is not struggling without him. I mean, their stock is higher than ever. Yeah, but, and, but their ratings are down, especially on Raw. <laughs> but ratings are down across the board of all TV. I think that that's true. really not... We've that, talked about this last yep. week. I don't think that's kind of any reason for them to worry and i don't think it's because john cena is not there no what i do think is that john cena is probably the best make a wish person they have so that kind of sucks that he's not around as much to do that but i'm sure he still does it sure. on his own so well on raw uh the bellas teamed with ronda rousey and then after the match they turned on her which was kind of odd i thought it was good because <laughs> i hated good. friendly bellas yeah. that was so forced and fake and like i don't know why it was just Everyone could see it coming a mile away, like, this is so terrible. So the heel Bellas, I like a little bit better, at least. I think they needed to do that. But Nikki versus Ronda, well, you, you just don't picture that being a great match. No, but out of the two Bellas, Nikki well, is yeah. the better one. She has worked really hard to improve, I will say that. Now, the Bellas, by no means, are my favorite women on the roster, but I can't deny what they've done for the division in terms of popularity and, you know, kind of spreading the whole idea of women as wrestlers whether or not it's serious you could debate but right. at least they're spreading it and actually you know more young girls are kind of into it because of them whether or not that's a good thing and whether or not that, how much that has to do with their reality show uh i'm sure that's a big part <laughs> i'm sure it is like we don't know for sure though but yeah i think this heel stuff is the way to go with them it makes them a little bit less corny <laughs> Speaking of female wrestlers, this announcement kind of surprised me during Raw because they had been selling Trish versus Bliss and Mickey James versus Lita Ford. Now they're combining it into a tag team at Evolution. Any speculation as to why they would do that? Why they wouldn't want to have two singles matches there? Well, I guess you're left with a dilemma when it is singles matches. Do you let the old school hero win? Oh, good point. Or the new... You, know, you don't want to hurt your current roster that right. much. That's my opinion. I don't like the idea of putting over, you know, older stars just to do it. Right. I really don't like that because you're demeaning your roster now, and that's who needs to stay over for longer because that's who you have to rely on. Trish is not going to be back no. full-time forever. At least I don't think so. No, I don't think so. So, yeah, I think if they they would inevitably either – have to come to a hard decision when they had a singles match. You know, do they let Bliss win? And, of course, oh, that's a bummer for people who want Trish to win. Or do they let Trish win and totally demean Bliss, who's really kind of dominated the whole roster? So, right. technically, if you have that happen, you're kind of diminishing the whole roster, in my opinion. I mean, that's kind of getting a little technical, and it's really not that <laughs> bad. I'm going a little extreme. But, but I also wonder, too, if they see something either in Lita or Trish or both, or maybe it's just pure speculation by me that maybe they don't feel like they can they handle. can carry a, a long singles match, especially because a couple times of late when Lita's coming into the ring, there's been some near things of her coming off the ropes and stuff that haven't looked smooth. So, and she does have neck issues. Yeah, so maybe that's part of it too. So yeah, I was actually going to say the exact same thing. I'm not so worried about Trish, right? Because she looked great in that Royal Rumble. It's more Lita who kind of didn't look as sharp. 
And I don't think it's her fault. Like I said, she is the one with the neck injury. Right. So uh, I think this tag match is better for booking-wise, and I think it's better just overall. Uh, I just I think that was the way to go. I mean, I know people probably are disappointed, but I'm not. Well, let's keep the women's theme going and go to SmackDown quickly and to uh, close out our segment here. Charlotte and Becky Lynch go at it one more time. It ends in a double countout. Then Charlotte taking... Uh, Becky through the LED board, which generally is kind of a harmless move. It's a good visual, but it's but boy, Charlotte comes out and her hand is just covered in blood. And there was some concern about whether she had a legitimate injury, but it, apparently she wrestled wrestled in the mixed match challenge later that night. So she's fine, and now they're setting up a first ever last woman standing at Evolution. So probably a good finish to this little. Uh, war between the two of them yeah i i mean it's kind of funny because you see these led involvement so much now it's like their go-to thing now right. let's smash people into the led wall i don't know if i like it that much because <laughs> after a while it kind of loses its kind of shock value you know yeah they've been going to it so much lately in the last year year and a half it's like eh, i'm over it <laughs> but like you said she actually got cut open yeah it's really kind of surprising because i thought it was kind of pretty safe almost like foolproof at this right. point but i guess not i guess i'm wrong guess not. but let's talk quickly about the over-reliance on legends some people don't mind it because they're like oh it's it's building up an event and it's not a big deal it's playing on nostalgia then other people are like it's too much why so much legend heavy stuff you're pushing old instead of new i can see both sides i guess the best way to think is kind of somewhere in the middle it's okay to have legends but it's okay Okay, and better to push your actual roster that wrestles all the time. I don't really know how to feel. How do you feel? Well, I'm, I'm going to kind of use this as a tease because that's going to be my sending them home when I talk about the World Cup that they're setting up for this crown jewel. I agree. You don't want to go, to go back to your point a moment ago. You do not want to have these legends go over your current roster. I think that's a mistake. Yeah, I mean... Especially recent call-ups. Mm. They've done this with multiple teams. They kind of made a mockery out of the Revival, even. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that was at one of the uh, anniversary shows. Yeah. It was the Raw anniversary. It was. Totally made a mockery. All the old school people like, ha-ha. Like, I, I know it's good for nostalgia, but there comes a point where it's like, get over the past and try to build what you have now. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. I 100% agree. I love seeing these guys in the ring back it's fun it's good to see but it's almost let's just have them face each other because when you put them against the younger talent it's a poor match most of the time and it like you said it it hurts the current talent yeah who are supposed to be currently some of the best in the world right exactly well that's going to do it for our headlines and now normally our second segment is uh, one of our extended segments and uh, of late, especially during Halloween time, it's all about the pop and wrestling connection. But we're not going to do the segment now because it has become so popular that... Yeah, we've actually discussed with Wrestling Inc. that we're going to make this segment, the pop and wrestling connection, a standalone segment. So every week... We're going to be dropping it as a standalone, meaning it'll be released on YouTube, even on Facebook, and you could still send in your answers, but this way, you if you just are dying to see the pop segment, it'll be its own thing. And I kind of like that because it's going to be more regular now. It's going to be every week versus semi-regular because we had been doing it every few weeks the past few weeks because of Halloween, but 
before that, it was every now and then. Now it's a regular thing, and it's one of my favorite segments ever. I think it's one of the most unique things that you and I have come up with. It's one of my favorite kind of ideas because it mixes anything you could imagine with wrestling. Books, comics, video games, TV shows, movies, anything. And I love that because it's so versatile and so fun, and it plays up on nostalgia, but nostalgia in a good way, unlike the bad way that we were talking about <laughs> yeah, exactly. recently. And we'll still have occasionally some extended discussions, where whether it's our heads and tails or if it's super kicking it old school. little less interactive with our listeners. This pop and wrestling has been so good for interaction with our listeners that we wanted to build it. Plus still have the questions on our regular podcast so that way we're not maybe repeating the same people and stuff like that. And reading so much. Right, exactly. Like so, continually reading people's answers in two segments versus just one. Right, and again, the Pop and Wrestling Connection has been such a popular segment. We're excited that we're going to break that off. So our first one, which was supposed to air in this episode, is about the Monster Squad. Basically, pick your wrestling monster squad to face dracula frankenstein's monster the gill man and all these other monsters and stop them from taking over the world so now instead of doing it in this episode catch it next week yep we're looking forward to it and we're looking forward to our next segment where we interact with you it's ask two-face it's coming up next saint arnold brewing company located in houston is texas oldest craft brewery Their goal is to brew world-class beers and deliver them to their customers as fresh as possible, making them the best beers in Texas and Louisiana. Their customers are beer lovers, people that appreciate great full-flavored beers. So whether you're enjoying an art car IPA or smooth-drinking lawnmower, look for St. Arnold beers throughout Louisiana and Texas. Our awesome wrestling logo is by artist Eric Hodson. You could check him out at erichodson.storeenvy.com where he has tons of other wrestling artwork. He really is an incredible artist. His Twitter handle is at Dreaded Dinosaur, which is named after his comic series, The Dreaded Dinosaur Man, which you can find on webtoons.com. Thanks, Eric. We really love your logo. Welcome back to Two-Face Wrestling Talk, and now it's time for my favorite segment where we get to interact with you guys and answer your questions. It's time for Ask Two-Face. And this week, let's start off with our first question, from at PCH Nilbog. He says, you get to relive your childhood and get adopted by a wrestling couple. Which couple will adopt you and why? I thought about this for a while, and I have decided to go with the Macho Man, Randy Savage, and Miss Elizabeth. Oh, jeez, why? I think Miss Elizabeth, she's so sweet, would be a, a caring, nurturing mom, very, very attentive to you, and... If you've got the Macho Man and his insanity as your dad, no kid on the block is going to mess with you because they don't want to mess with the insane dad. So there, there, there are my parents. And I guess he'd be a lot of fun too. Yeah, Just... and and unlimited Slim Jims. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> who wouldn't want that? I love Slim Jims. So then uh, I have kind of a different spin on the answer. I would be adopted by Cody Rhodes and Brandy because I feel like they just love each other so much and like it's just so natural and real like he adores her and i feel like that'd be a great role model for a kid to grow up in that household and it's just a loving environment where the 
the couple loves each other so much, I think that just would be great for the kid. Yeah? Yeah. Or, or maybe they only have love for each other and you'd get ignored. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. But, yeah, maybe, like, Cody's heelish ways would rub off on me, though, that's, if I was their kid. That's possible. Like, haha, I'm sneaky and villainous and stuff. Yeah, something I don't know. He, and he's got a bad habit of using Brandy as a human shield. What if he uses you as a human shield anytime he's in trouble? Oh, that's something I didn't even think through. <laughs> I might have to take that risk. Yeah, I guess so. Also, they're doing the most you know unique things on the non-WWE scene. I love that he had the courage to walk away. So to me, that's something I truly, really admire. And she walked away, too. Mm -hmm. So to me, I just admire their courage and their creativity and everything they've been doing. So definitely them. Good answers by both of us, I think. Yeah. Uh, next one is from good guy Dave at Dave Pazewski. How important is comedy to pro wrestling? And who, in your opinion, are some of the kings of comedy in the wrestling world? Well, I think comedy is very important. And we might have a differing opinion on this. Comedy and wrestling, just like in a movie, you know, movies you've got comedy, you got drama, you got all these different genres, but there's also subgenres within those genres. So like comedy, you could have slapstick, you could have dry, you got all kinds of different kinds. Just like with wrestling. You could have kind of slapstick wrestling, you could have, you know, just over the top ridiculous. And then you could have like really subtle comedy bits and little just segments that just can stand alone and it's really a serious match except for like maybe one or two sequences well i think it's just another thing that gives a little bit of flavor and a little bit of uniqueness into wrestling just like you don't want to watch all drama in movies you don't want to watch all serious matches all the time so i think it's a it's a good thing to break things up make things a little different and i think some of the kings i mean i gotta say colt cabana to me, he just screams comedy done right. Also, uh, you know, Yanu, <laughs> he's amazing too. We might disagree on that. I don't know. Uh, like somebody who I totally dislike was uh, Santino. Didn't like him. <laughs> Didn't like him at all. Well, I've got a little different take on this in that I don't really like many comedy spots in matches or I comedy know. matches. An occasional funny moment is good, like, Unintentional comedy to me was what we talked about earlier in the show. Kenny Omega's reaction like, when he almost put the chicken wing initially on Ibushi, and he 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 was kind of like automatically like apologetic. I didn't mean to do that. Yeah, that's more organic humor to me. That's the kind of stuff I like. Yanu's nonsense, you know, doesn't amuse me. So from a comedy perspective, I prefer my comedy on the mic. I prefer people that are funny on the mic, whether it's you know, going back in the day of The Rock. You know, people that are funny on the mic, that's where I think the comedy is good in wrestling. Sometimes, like, on the mic, it could be so corny and just overdone. I mean, it could be the same way in the ring. I just, I like it in the ring. It doesn't bother me. But I understand where you're coming from. A lot of people feel that way, <laughs> but just not me. I, I enjoy it. There's something in me where I could suspend my disbelief on that. Some people just can't, and they're like, oh, it ruins it for me. Like, I mean... Uh, this is going to be super controversial. Um, the all-in Joey Ryan stuff. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Yes, you hate it. I hate it. I don't mind it at all. I know this other guy, you know, that you know, said that it totally, you know, was embarrassing. I don't agree. I just think that there's something for everybody. Whether you like ridiculous comedy or super serious stuff like Aldis versus Cody. I kind of like the range, you know? But I understand where y'all are coming from. I <laughs> just again, don't agree. Yeah, like we always say, 
people can all have opinions in wrestling. Yeah, you it's can. It's not ag- black and white. Right. You can agree to disagree and still be friends, still get along. But, uh, yeah, everyone has their own likes and dislikes. Next question from at metal underscore 2006. With recent events surrounding Bullet Club and the additions they just added, is New Japan Pro Wrestling getting ready for the Elite to leave the promotion? Or do you think the Elite drop Bullet Club altogether and stay under the banner of the Elite and just stay in New Japan Pro Wrestling? Well, I am hoping, kind of like what we talked about back several months ago when Cody seemed like he was splitting things off himself, I think you've got the potential with all of this talent and now Jay White joining the firing squad, you can build up a lot of 10-man tag, 8-man tag, tags, singles matches. You've got a lot of rivalries now because there's been a lot of heat between these two. We already had uh, the firing squad versus the Young Bucks, but I think there are, there's the potential for so much there. When we finally get Omega versus Jay White, it's going to be great because it's been building for so long. And now, like, oh, it's just going to be awesome. Yeah. And then the whole idea that Jay White has joined, like, you know, Omega's past faction mates, that I think adds to it so much more. So I don't think they're going to leave the promotion. I think what he's referring to is the rumors that they're leaving as a group to WWE. Right. I don't think that's going to happen. I really just don't see that happening. No, I, I think don't this either. is more just to progress storylines and make things deeper in New Japan. I agree. Uh, our next question is from Courtney Summers. What are your thoughts on a lot of people starting to turn on Kenny Omega lately? It's like as soon as he got the title, people started turning on him. I do see what she means. People are so pro-Tanahashi. Also, there's been a lot of nitpicking of Kenny on social media. I really don't understand it. When Kenny Omega won the title, I cried. Like, I had been waiting for that moment for so, so long. They built that story so well. And so many people felt the same way. They were like, oh, it's such an emotional thing. And then just suddenly for people to be over it so fast, I really don't understand. I think he's a great champion. I think he's one of the best wrestlers in the world. And I guess people just, they always want something new. Or once they get something, they're like, yeah, I'm over it. Although I feel like it wasn't like that with Okada as much. No. So I don't know what it is. Maybe it's something about him. Or maybe, I've been thinking of this. I feel like the whole involvement with Ibushi has kind of hurt Kenny as a singles guy. It's been great for their tag team. It's been great for nostalgia. It's been great for match quality. But as a singles guy and as a babyface, I think it's hurt Kenny. Because, yeah, he's been cheered when he's with Ibushi. But there's been other times where I think people just want Ibushi to get over. They want almost him to win the belt. So I wish they would have kind of held off on this so that Kenny could have had his singles run as IWGP heavyweight champion by himself without any involvement with Ibushi. I would have liked to have seen what that Kenny would have looked like. I also would have liked to have seen Omega as champion as the cleaner versus kind of this babyface character. I loved when he was more like villainous and heelish. I know it wouldn't really go with what's going on with stories right now, but I think it would have been a very intriguing Kenny Omega, especially as a champion. So I don't know. I'm just sad to see the crowd turning on him. But I think part of it, too, is some of the things he said in his heel work about Japanese wrestlers, and that may play into it a little bit, too, uh, that he's kind of made himself into a little bit of a heel, going after Tanahashi the way he has a little bit. Yeah. I think that, you know, Japanese crowd loves Tanahashi. (laughs) They do, but, you know, to say that, like, to act like he's a complete foreigner and just trashing Japanese guys is absurd because he can speak Japanese. He loves and he 
kind of embraces the culture. So to me, to kind of act like he's totally dismissive of anything Japanese is, is a stretch. I agree. Our next question comes from at Jason underscore Span. That's with two N's. Who is the true king of hardcore? Terry Funk or Mick Foley? Keep in mind that Terry's family basically invented it with the Texas death match, while Foley is the most famous, of course. Uh, if I'm only getting these two choices, I'm going to go with Terry Funk, just because, as he said, he, he feels like the inventor of it. But if I can add a third option in there, I'm not saying he's more so than the other two. To me, Sabu and what he did in ECW... He certainly deserves to be in the discussion. Yeah. I would go with Terry Funk. Whether or not there was uh, others in, like, I would pick him over Sabu to, as well if he was in the mix. But I, I mean, Sabu is a hardcore legend. Yes. Right. I agree with that. But I think that Terry Funk did so many things that are so iconic and that kind of, like, developed what we know as, like, hardcore wrestling. I don't know if there'd be. Such an extreme McFoley without Terry Funk. I agree so with that. So there you go. For sure. Final question is from at Deej Kirkby. I've asked a similar question around the podcast I listened to, so I'd like to hear your take. Who would be on your Ring of Honor and New Japan Mount Rushmore's? Now, the one thing we said when we talked about this question, are we talking current day, all time? If it's all time, i got to preface that my New Japan knowledge probably doesn't go back Me neither. Very Sad far. to say. You know, I mean, obviously I, I watched a little when AJ was there or Brock Lesnar, but that's about as far back as I go. So I think we got to preface the question with that and maybe pick people, you know, in our time frame. What I'm going to do is for Ring of Honor, I'll do an overall throughout its history because that's easier for me. And then for New Japan, I'm going to do current. So current Rushmore, people who are currently wrestling there, who's so important for their foundation moving forward and growing and developing and spreading. Whereas Ring of Honor, I'll say who has historically really been a big part of the company and important. I'll start with Ring of Honor. Daniel Bryan has to be said. Agreed. CM Punk. I think has to be said. He's so synonymous with Ring of Honor. You know, people just have such fond memories of his time there. But then I kind of want to switch and do some newer, some guys who are still there. Jay Lethal. They call him the franchise, you know. You can't really see anything bad from him. He's a multi-time champion, which the list is short on that. So I think he deserves to be on the Mount Rushmore. And finally, this might be a biased thing, but I'm going to say uh, Christopher Daniels. Well, I mean, I've got the same four. <laughs> so Really? I completely agree. The only other one I could maybe put in, and you'd have to take two off the, the Mount Rushmore to put them in, would be the Briscoes. I was actually going to say, if we did just a <laughs> ROH tag team Mount Rushmore, the Briscoes and the Bucks. Obviously, yeah. The two most although, decorated although tag Although the teams, addiction would deserve some consideration there, too. They would, but I think that they're the two most decorated and like kind of the most important for the division in terms of just how much they've done and how long they've been there and the titles they've held All right, and who so, they've beaten. So New Japan, let's see if we're on the same page there, too. Okay, New <laughs> Japan. Oh, this is hard. Um, right now, you got to say Okada. One of the top draws. And he was on top. You know, we heard the stat the other night. He was in the main event at Wrestle Kingdom, I think, six years in a row. Yeah. So you got to say Okada. You have got to say Tanahashi. Yeah. He is the foundation of what they've done to grow to where they are now. 
if I was doing historical, I would say Nakamura because he was a big part of their resurgence. But I'm not going to say that because he's not wrestling there currently. So Nakamura, sorry, you're not on the list. Oh, so you, they got to still be on the current roster. That's what I'm basing okay. it off of. Um, because if we start saying, oh, they don't have to be on the roster, then we're like opening up a can of worms <laughs> and we can't go far back enough to warrant that. You know? Okay. So, yeah. So, well, in, that, in that regard, then Nakamura and AJ Styles have both got to be on there. And maybe. No, finish. not on there. They're not currently. No, on no, there. no. I'm saying the ones that we're going to omit. Yes. Because they're, they're on omitted. the current roster. Probably Finn Balor. Yeah. Has you know, to be omitted. AJ Styles. And. Uh, we're talking about moving forward, yes. how important these people are to go right. beyond. Okay. All right. So, who else? Uh, Naito. I mean, definitely Naito. I think he's so important with what they're doing. He's the most popular. Um. And then, you know, Makabe, I know you don't know much about this, but he doesn't wrestle much anymore, but he's still a part of the roster, and he's one of the hugest stars they have. He's been a huge draw and very popular with the Japanese crowd. So you've got to have a kind of a historical element. I think he's that from my Mount Rushmore of New Japan. I could have easily replaced him with somebody else, but I think you've got to have that old stalwart there. Okay. Well, then I've got a few different ones. Uh, your first two, I, I agree, Okada and Tanahashi. I can't believe you didn't say Suzuki. <laughs> well, you know, he's actually wrestled a lot with another promotion for many, many years. True. It's just recently that he came back after he was gone. So I felt like I couldn't say him, although he's such a huge part of what's happening right now. And I wanted to say him. I felt like it just wasn't right because he wrestled with a different promotion for quite a while. And then the other one I, I would bring up, uh, what about Jushin Thunder Liger? Oh, yes. Why did I forget him? <laughs> that would be a perfect stalwart. Yeah. You know, super popular spans generations i can't believe i should have said him <laughs> that's a good choice paul I, I might have to say yeah he should have been so alive. who gets the boot if you're putting him on naito goes or makabe i guess makabe <laughs> i feel bad doing that but yes liger is pretty darn important good we're question. basically on the same page yes for the most part and great uh, questions yep really enjoyed all six of those those are great Great questions. Although, you know, some, some weeks we don't have as much as others when they're that good. I mean, I find it super yeah. enjoyable whether or not there's 10, 20, <laughs> if it's just six, but six really good ones, that's fine with me. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys, so much. We appreciate you guys sending those questions in. We had a lot of fun answering them. But now it's time to close out the show and send them home. So what do you got, Kels? Well, I think it's something to pay attention to. Access TV is adding another wrestling show to their Friday night lineup, and that's starting on January 18th. They're going to add Women of Wrestling. Wow. And this is a promotion that's been around for a while, but it's going to be interesting to see how it's going to be received in this whole Friday night lineup. Because, you know, you've got New Japan, who's obviously the guy side of the coin. Now we're going to have the other side of the coin with, you know, everything under the sun kind of shown on access and I like that and I'm excited to see this promotion because I haven't gotten a chance to check it out in the past but you know some people like Tessa Blanchard is going to be a part of it very uh, happy to hear that because to me she's probably one of the best women like we said earlier on the non-WWE scene right now and it'll be cool to see how she's received to a way bigger audience and this promotion driven by Jeannie Buss who's the Lakers owner David McLean from uh, Glow is going to be a big part of it and provide commentary. So we'll see how it's re received on Access TV. Uh, as far as my sending them home, I sort of hinted at it earlier, and it was uh, partly a question of yours. This uh, trend of using legends, and I was really excited about the, this Crown Jewel event that they were going to have an eight-wrestler tournament called the World Cup. 
to me, that opened up all sorts of options. You could have eight wrestlers from eight different countries. You know, you could just have a tournament featuring some of the best. Unfortunately, it looks like it's going to be a chance to have legends because four of the eight slots are filled by John Cena, Kurt Angle, Jeff Hardy, who's still obviously very active, and Randy Orton. But Jeff Hardy beat Samoa Joe. Kurt Angle won a, a ridiculous battle royal where he beat Baron Corbin. Some people are saying that was kind of like all-in-esque. Yeah, like the whole Flip it Gordon was. Thing. It was. So they're like, what are they trying to do? Like copy <laughs> all in, but in a weirder way? I, I don't know. So I'm not nearly as excited about this World Cup as I was when I heard about it a week ago. Now, this just seems like another chance, like we said, for Super Showdown to just trot out more of the legends. We also already know that DX is going against the Brothers of Destruction. So... I don't know. Now Now I'm a little less excited about Crown Jewel, even though there are some marquee matches. It seems like these are just kind of glorified shows to hear the iconic entrances and see the big names, and uh, I'm not happy about it. You're not happy, but some people are. Yeah. Some people don't really don't mind it. They're like, oh, it's a way to sell tickets. It makes sense. I'm kind of with you, though, so I think that's a great closing out of the show. And... It's great for the people in Saudi Arabia that they're going to get to see these people for the people that want to stay up or, or watch this on a Friday, it's to me it's hardly worth your while. Yeah. Uh, because these are going to be again a lot of non-consequential matches. Agree. So we'll see. Well, thanks for your closing out of the show. <laughs> I thought it was pretty good, and thank you guys for listening or watching. If you're checking us out on YouTube, uh, please you know tell your friends about us if you enjoy us. Spread the word. We'd love to gain new listeners, and we always love to hear from you. So, again, check us out on Two-Faced Pod on Twitter. Also, at SuperKickingIt from my Twitter to vote on my wrestling t-shirt, plus lots more. And stay tuned next week. Don't forget the Poppin' Wrestling Connection coming to Wrestling Inc. as a standalone. Can't wait to show you that. Thanks so much for watching or listening. That's the finish. (laughs) 